0: Damn millennials tweeting too much. You can't find their tweets.
1: I mean, if they actually are killing Applebee's, though, I got to give them props for that. <laughs> yeah, Applebee's can go. Yeah, Applebee's sucks. sucks. I know how to.
0: I know how to microwave my own food at home.
2: Tech Hockey Guide presents. The Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the
0: WCHA, with your host, Tim Brown,
2: Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Welcome to episode 12 of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. This week, the regular crew is joined by Jeff Morris from UAHHockey.com. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Sure thing. Uh, Before we get going, we added one more patron this week. Thank you to Michael Crawford for signing up at the white level and getting us one patron closer to the monthly recruiting podcast. We're only five away from our goal to start that. If you'd like to join them and help us hit our goal of 20 patrons, please check out patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. This week we'll be discussing the UAH series, the current state of the WCHA and Michigan Tech's second half swoon. We'll also talk a little bit about mental health and preview the Winter Carnival series plus your questions. Anything big that I'm missing, guys? No? Rob?
0: Nope. Nor- normal silence on that question. One of these days I'm going to have an answer.
2: Dustin just shaking his head, which makes great podcasts. Alright. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor and we'll come back and start with Jeff Morris and the series in Huntsville. So, Michigan Tech and Alabama Huntsville had a series down in Huntsville this weekend where Dustin correctly predicted the split. I think Jay-Z also had the split in his series preview. Rob and I were both a little more optimistic and that's not how it went. So, congratulations Jeff on your team getting the split on the weekend and getting win number two.
4: Okay, so so why would you pick UH to win a game? Why would it? This doubled the win total on the year. They're awful
2: because of how bad Michigan Tech has been playing in the last month.
4: <laughs> oh, Tech's been playing poorly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, UH has been losing all their freaking games. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think the four goal outburst is the first time we scored more than two goals in over a month. I think, and you don't win many games when you don't if you can't get that third one
4: trust me we know exactly how that is we get a lot of two and one goal games
2: it gave a nice opportunity for the mayor of yost to uh tweet about us again and try and make fun of michigan tech for losing to the quote-unquote worst team in the country Well, michigan wallows in i think sixth place in the big 10 and they have a lot to be proud of over there but um i don't know it wasn't a pretty series for michigan tech i think Friday was a little misleading as far as how bad it was because they dominated play for the first period Friday and just couldn't finish. The second period was a letdown and then they managed to get some dirty goals in the third period and blow that game wide open and get the win. Whereas Saturday I never felt like like I, I felt like the power play was they were doing a good job of moving the puck and getting chances but for whatever reason Sinclair, I don't... I think Joe talked about it this week on the show that they didn't give up, he didn't give up a single goal on a clean shot. If if Sinclair could see it coming, he stopped it whereas you know, all the goals kind of came came from dirty plays or when he was screened or whatever. Lots of scoring chances for Tech, especially Friday, but Saturday night was more was not what I expected the way Friday finished. I don't know what uh, anybody else thought about that.
1: I did kind of think after Friday that it was going to be a sweep because I thought the outburst in the third period they're going to be able to carry that over, but it just never materialized on Saturday.
2: Yeah, and I, part of that I think might have been how how much that game. You know, Joe talked about that too this week, where the the roughing was very different this week. Um, where was
0: the, the roughing on Friday as similar as it was on Saturday? Because I didn't watch. I was in the middle of doing a work cutover, so we were unplugging a whole bunch of switch ports and plugging them back into new switches. <laughs> so I, I had the game off on the side, but couldn't pay much attention to it.
2: I think there were only like four penalties on Friday.
0: Was the refing as ticky-tacky and tight as it was on Saturday? Because I felt like anytime someone like touched the ice for either team on Saturday, there was a penalty called, and it just kind of killed the flow.
2: Friday, there were 10 minutes of penalties total, whereas Saturday, it was... What is it here? 46 minutes. Total of 13 power plays, and a lot of those were extremely abbreviated because somebody was taking a penalty while they were on the power play almost every time. There was a lot of four-on-four. There was even the stretch where it was three-on-three, which how often do you see that?
1: Yeah, I don't think I've seen that
0: in a long time.
1: (laughs) Rob likes (laughs) three-on-three.
0: No. (laughs) I don't know. I like it even less when it's not forced. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was a bit of a struggle to watch from a, just a flow perspective with the game on Saturday like that. It was that's that's a frustrating hockey game to watch. Score results, what have you? Just constant whistles anytime anybody goes up and down the ice is really annoying. And then when you can't see it half the time, it makes it even more frustrating.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of it was. I'm based based on everything I heard from everybody else. It wasn't just me, but it felt like the one end of the rink I could track the puck really good, and on the other end of the puck, the white balance was so off that half of the time I couldn't tell at all where the puck was, other than what the players were doing, and even the cameraman seemed lost as to where the puck was. Yeah, there of the were time. times
0: when the the cameraman was like, I would see the ref, the the back ref skating up the ice, and the play was already gone. Someone needs to wake that guy up.
4: Uh see, everybody talks about why you UH should stay in the conference, or why the seven schools have left, and then you watch one of our broadcasts, and you understand that maybe we're not that like-minded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the new announcers this year are good, though. I like you guys' announcers this year. The guys are actually doing the play-by-play are, are good to listen to. I wish to. they
2: actually did an intermission report, but... Because it, eh, it's kind of a little weird little when there's there's nothing there, but I you know for the most part all I ever did during intermission was pull up Dirk so I could get his perspective without having to worry about syncing the game.
0: I do know that I have seen more Charger head and MTU uh, <laughs> heads hit each other on sliding blocks of ice than I have seen in a long time.
2: Yes, I I did tweet about that asking about <laughs> the graphics because between that one and the make some noise one, I was ready to bash somebody's head in over like (laughs) i felt like somebody somewhere was going into a seizure watching those graphics over and over again it was it was bad i think
4: that the only thing that can explain it is that it was the in arena feed and that's why you were seeing that but but there's no justification for it whatsoever we
2: know that's why we're getting it we're just disappointed that Yeah, we're just disappointed that nobody, like quite a few teams do that, where it's just the arena feed and nobody's investing the time in actually producing what the difference between what's in arena and what's on our stream.
0: You guys definitely aren't the only ones to do that. Who were we watching a few weeks ago where you got to see the guy who scored the goal or the assist for like approximately 30 seconds of gameplay? That was GLI, yeah. Yeah, so that was just yeah, so, as bad,
2: and we're running that tournament. So
0: Yep, it's not just you guys on that one.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if some of it is the lack of interest in getting it going in, in a venue where it's not yours. Like, you guys don't own Von Braun, right? That's the community, like a, a city rink? Is that correct?
4: Yeah, it used to be a city facility, and it's been spun off into a quasi- wow non-governmental organization type thing so it is functionally a city uh, facility and so yes we don't own it although we were technically the primary uh, tenant for it it's a little weird to see that where that really matters Uh, just because scheduling is what it is we've been lucky with the WCHA that we have gotten our schedule together before the SPHL does their schedule And so we just leave Placeholder dates for the Havoc and and progress from that. But I think the production stuff that we're seeing is actually the Havoc helping us out because we don't have the resources to be even doing it. And uh, they do a much better job of in-game stuff. But, you know, it's just not there yet for bringing it over to our fans and to our opponents, frankly.
2: Well, and the other thing, too, is I... Other than between periods, I don't think there was a single replay, was
0: there? Nope. No, I don't believe so.
2: Like, there's no instant replay of, like, a play that just happened. And I don't know how often, like, there was one point where I think Tech drew a penalty, or took a penalty in their own, I don't remember what it was now, but I remember them taking a penalty and me watching the play live going, that's not a penalty, and then being frustrated that I never get to see it again to, like, confirm or rethink what I, what I saw because it, it didn't feel like it was a penalty in the moment and, and it felt very ticky tacky and, and it didn't get called or it did get called and I, it didn't feel right, but you don't get that replay and I haven't had a chance to go back and find it because I've been traveling too much, but it was, well, the thing well, is that...
4: full, we try to leave what's the past in the past and just charge right forward and <laughs> never look back.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah, the, the other two cameras, because they would drop down to a lower ice camera every once in a while, and the quality on those was really good. There's, so it's not like it's an issue of the you know the stream quality at all. It's just that one up top camera, which really ought to be your main camera for a hockey game.
2: Yeah, it, it makes me wonder if there's something imbalanced with the way the lighting is, that the one end looks fine and the other end didn't, that the the lighting isn't quite as even as it needs to be for the camera to work properly.
0: Lighting or not, just the overall quality of that camera just isn't where it needs to be. That's true. That's got to be tough for just for you guys to review game film when that's your high camera.
4: Yeah, it is. But I'm really glad that we're talking about the production values on our broadcast for a team that's lost as many games this season as they won the previous two. We
2: suck. If, if anything, I guess we can sit here and be happy that we helped you guys get another win in, in some respect. I mean, I'm frustrated as hell because right now we could be controlling our, our own standing to get home ice. And now we are not. And we're wallowing in our own pity of being having a terrible month here. And who knows what's going to happen. I'm not too optimistic about the next series.
0: Yeah, it's... It's one of those things where, I mean, we've all been through some of the really bad tech seasons too. So we, we, yeah. we 100% feel your pain and know yeah. where it's coming from.
4: Yeah. What is it? 20 lost seasons all the way back to 2006, 07.
0: Yeah, that's rough.
4: Sometimes you wonder why we still have a program.
2: So I guess we could just segue right into the questions then. Cause, uh, one of them was definitely about that. <laughs> Maybe not that dystopian of you, but what do you think it's going to take for the students in the community to get more involved with the hockey program? Patrick Coro asked that question, and his big comment was, his opinion was that you guys should dump Ticketmaster because of all the fees. And uh, my first thought when he brought that up was the fact that typically that uh, Ticketmaster can be attached to a venue, and there's not much you can do about that with the venue.
4: Yes, Ticketmaster is attached to the Von Braun Center, and that's everything from events in the arena to events in the concert halls. Yeah, so there's no getting away with that. It's going to take winning. That's all there is to it. And that's a tough road to get there because you need the money to get the budget, to get the recruiting, to get the students to come in, to start winning. And that requires a lot of faith on a lot of parts of a lot of people during the really, really crappy years. And so I think there was a lot of that coming out of the near cancellation of the program. But I don't know if that momentum is still there.
2: Yeah, especially when you don't know know, what the future holds for the program. If you're going to have a conference, if you can get – mostly full schedule as an independent for a stretch or what's going to happen in another year or two.
4: If we go independent, we're dead. There is no life as an independent at all. If they don't find a conference home by the time that the seven schools leave the WCHA, we'll fall. period. I'll bet you $100, all three of you, on that.
2: No, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you because you don't have the advantage of teams just getting extra games to go see you and then making the money when you return the favor that the Alaska schools have. Not that I expect both of them to necessarily survive if they don't have a conference, but it it seems more likely that one of them does because enough teams can can take the extra games and go when it's not you know put on the WCHA teams to all go up there. Especially with everything else that's going on with you guys, it kind of does make sense that maybe you just, that somebody just cuts bait because what prospects do you have if we have seven teams and we don't want to for whatever reason? I mean, it's not fun to talk about.
4: I thought we had some momentum there when it looked like we were going to have a uh, facility that was going to be shared with uh, the two basketball programs and volleyball and it was not going to be, well, it's technically going to be on campus, but it's be outside of the main loop of campus, and so I don't really think of it as campus. That was, I thought, our best shot. I think that would have sent a message to the wider hockey community that says we have a commitment here. And it got shoved to the side by the Board of Trustees. Which doesn't surprise me. These are the same people that killed UAB's football program. And they were very, very happy. If seven years later, eight years later, they can kill our hockey program, too. They'll love it.
2: Is it because all they really care about is Alabama football or what? Roll (laughs) time. So from, from that board of trustees perspective, there's Alabama and everything else gets scraps and whatever you can do on a tight budget is fine. But beyond that, we're not spending?
4: Well, UAB has had their football program cut because it was concerned by some people in the board of trustees that they were really becoming a threat and a drain on resource to UA.
2: <laughs> what a crock! I mean, how can you ever look at that? I don't know
0: how anybody can be a drain on that giant. R- I mean, that uh, I don't, I don't get it.
4: Well, you got to remember this is before seven. That okay, was when the wheels were put in motion. Uh, okay.
0: I'll admit I don't follow
4: college football. Uh, Don't follow college football. It's toxic.
2: (laughs) Let's see. Patrick Coro also asked that he said he enjoyed seeing the UAH pep band this weekend. They've clearly taken the best parts of other college bands around the league and are making it their own. Is this an all-volunteer group of students, or is it university-organized, sponsored? And He said they sounded great in person
4: it comes and goes uh year by year i don't know how this year's band is organized usually they'll have a minor scholarship for it which if you try out for the band and you actually get accepted which i guess means you can carry a tune with your instrument or bang a drum in an appropriate manner um i'm a choral person (laughs) i'm not a band person um they get like $500 a semester, which is not a lot of money. But you're talking college kids. Beer money. <laughs> so, But it's the pride of it, I think, for a lot of those kids. And uh, they get them in there when they're freshmen. And, the, yeah, there's turnover between their first and second year. But the ones that stick it out after the first year, usually you see those people in the stands, you know, hanging out with the pet band 20 years later.
2: That sounds about right. See, it sounds sounds pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your band's better, though. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. Did you get a chance to go to the games this weekend?
4: No, I did not. My work schedule has been pretty hellish for the last two years. You know, I support science operations for the International Space Station, and obviously you would expect that's a 24-7 job. And you can't tell you the number of times I've been sitting on console and going, oh, we're playing right now. And I'm watching people make sure that the space station doesn't fall out of the sky. So <laughs> it it makes it difficult. I was actually home this weekend, but I was pretty sick. So I didn't end up going. Plus, also, frankly, it it's really hard to care about this team here.
2: I feel that. it's It's hard to invest time to watch a program when they're in that place, for sure. Dustin, did you listen to last week's podcast, yeah?
4: I gotta admit, I didn't.
2: (laughs) It's okay. I'm not surprised. Dustin decided to drop a little comment for you last week, and I'll give him a chance to ask the question now.
1: Yeah, so, um, since you're a rocket scientist, (laughs) um, I've been watching The Expanse, and I've got a lot of questions. Um, first of all, (laughs) how do they make them go so fast?
2: should really watch this show so i can (laughs) know what the heck you're talking about
4: i gotta say i actually haven't watched it it's on my list but i haven't been watching it oh
0: i gotta imagine i work in it right it's gotta be the same for me watching anything it related on the tv where it's just like you slap your hand against your head and go no that's not how that works this is dumb i can't handle this
4: (laughs) when i was in college i kept getting thrown out of rooms when people would be airing armageddon on their tv in fact, there was one time I threatened to throw a tennis ball through somebody's TV if they wouldn't turn the damn thing off.
1: But Ben Affleck <laughs> is so dreamy.
2: But they just sent drillers to a rock in space, and it worked. <laughs> I mean, but they're that the makes best, sense, best right? drillers.
4: They're the best drillers in the world. I got to tell you, the most realistic uh, space movie that's been out in quite some time was the uh, Matty Damon on Mars thing.
1: The Martian. Oh, I they like did that
4: one. Re- the Martian. Yeah, I like that. They one. did a really good job with all of the science and all the background on that, and uh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, the non-Maddie Damon parts were, eh, but the stuff that actually directed with him on Mars by himself and the people that were trying to communicate with him as a professional that that really rang a lot of truth.
2: Cool.
1: Well, I can. I I imagine that the expanse is, is like ninety nine percent complete bullshit. But
2: <laughs> great. Now I got to put that tag on this episode. Well, uh, I could just I could just bleep out the S part of that, but whatever. Sure. <laughs> I've done. That I
1: don't it. think any kids are going to listen.
2: No, but I like to tag I'm it not- properly for the, uh, the local Hoden people if they're listening in their car somewhere with kid in the car. Uh, i
1: suppose that's fair
2: so have you heard anything about what uah is trying to do after the seven teams leave as far as getting more schools involved or other than your whole you know thanks for the heads up so we could get credit for breaking the news that you guys are potentially leaving but that doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things but it was kind of nice to break that news
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really don't know what's going on um which i think is just a function of the fact that i'm pretty busy and i've frankly just sort of tuned out a little bit it's i spent so much time on it back in 2011 and 2012 i don't know that i had the energy for that this time around and I don't know that I really did that much. I was sort of a public face for things, which is terrible because I'm not a good-looking dude. <laughs> but it worked. And, and I'm not ready and not in a position to do that now. I'm a fairly senior civil servant now, so I uh, kind of can't do that anymore. <laughs> I got it. I got to be a professional.
2: <laughs> I, I understand that. Is there anything else? you guys want to talk about with Jeff? Otherwise, I think we can let him get back to his wife, who isn't exactly thrilled about the recording tonight.
4: Well, she just got away from we just got back from me, like, five days away, so she's like, hey, I want to finish watching the end of The Good Place. Which, <laughs> I do too. But, <laughs> talking with you guys is important, so yeah. it's good. Um, I do want to talk about the fact, I haven't been doing the WCHA simulations the last two years, um i've been wanting to do it just haven't had the time to do it but my code is starting to come together and i'm really hoping to do that next year to do a elo based uh from 1999 forward of all of college hockey and try to do an effort to predict conference standings based off of that and we'll just see how it goes neat that sounds cool so I know that people, especially like you, Tim, have wanted that.
0: If there's anything we appreciate, it's it's a bunch of extra numbers that we can then argue over, right? Right.
1: <laughs> the, more, the more graphs
2: and charts we can put in the liner notes, the better.
4: Yeah. But it'll all be public source code, and you can do with it what you want. Neat. Yeah. That'd be we'll cool. look forward to it. All right, gentlemen.
1: Just for everybody's... Uh, knowledge. um, The Expanse is a show that is on Amazon Prime uh, and there are currently four seasons of it. I actually think it's pretty good. It's just not very good. uh, like The science doesn't seem to make sense. I think that's the fiction part of science fiction. And there's a lot of fiction.
4: Yeah. Cool.
2: Well, thanks for joining us, Jeff.
1: Thanks,
4: thanks. Jeff. You guys take care. Yeah, Yeah, you you
0: too. Have a good one.
2: All right, so how do we want to progress through the next two topics? The current state of the WCHA and the current state of Michigan Tech.
1: I don't know what's going wrong with this team.
2: No, I don't uh, <laughs> That can be the start right there. <laughs> well, we can just start with that. Thanks, Dustin, can't. for the transition to our next topic, Michigan Tech's second half swoon.
0: Aren't swoon's good things? Like you swoon when you're happy or something? This is not happy.
2: No, it's 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 swoon is like falling. So this is a swoon cuz we're we're kind of collapsing. Oh, yeah. I honestly am in a far better mood right now than I was on Sunday because of the way Joe talked as much as some of our internal Slack chat, when I hadn't had a chance to listen myself was not as positive because it, it sounded like Joe is again, not taking responsibility for it, which still bugs me. I do think he's, it sounds like he's very positive with the team and, and the team is generally doing what he wants and not, like they're they're creating opportunities they might not be the exact opportunities he wants, but I know Dustin in our slack chat, you talk a lot about how there's little to no reason for our offense not to be better based on who we have. It's hard not to blame it on the coaching and and what's important to coach Sean in his style that's stifling offense. <laughs>
1: Yes, and the reason that I think that is because I think we have offensive talent on this team. If you look at some of the, the players, some of the forwards on this team, they have a history of, of being able to score goals. We have we, we have a lot of talent in, in our, our lineup of forwards. We have enough talent that we should be able to score at, at, at a much higher pace than we are now. A, a goal a game... More than we are now, based on the talent we have on this team. And something's holding them back. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. But if it's not talent, to me, it seems like the next likely culprit is the scheme.
2: And I think the problem, for whatever reason, right now is the guys are not getting any luck, honestly. Because you look at the first period on Friday night, they outshot UAH what, seventeen to six or something like that. I don't know exactly offhand, but and it seemed like sometimes that can be not good quality, but in was nineteen to seven with shots first period Friday night. And they ended up being tied. And then they have a crappy second period which they've had a lot of this year. That's, for whatever reason, something about Joe's scheme seems like it doesn't translate well to the long shift or his players are incapable of getting clean breakouts to get the proper changes that are causing problems on the, in the second period. That, that, that seems apparent to me because we've really struggled in the second period compared to the first and the third. And we've also struggled in overtime when it's the long change again. I don't know offhand if the three-on-three overtime is the long change or not. I don't think it is, but I'm not positive on that. So I I think there's something about his style that might be causing some of that, but at the same time, he talked about this week how many scoring chances they created this weekend, and a, a decent offense should have put up seven goals this weekend on the scoring chances they had. So how is that really on the style when it's creating those chances and they're just not quite getting the finishes? And I don't know how many we did this week, but they, during the, the extra attacker stretch on Saturday night, they hit a pipe, didn't they, Rob?
0: Yeah, I believe there was one at least, if not a crossbar.
2: The one thing that I will say is I don't think you can lump in the extra attacker goal on Saturday night in the same category as what happened last year because they were on the power play and the guy who scored just wristed it 120 feet.
0: Yeah. The, he was below the goal line when he scored it. Was he just, below the
2: goal line? I didn't think he was, he was below, below the goal line. He but was it's, below the goal line but when he shot it. it. You're not taking that opportunity in that situation if it's, an extra attacker five on like six on five because it's six on four. You take that chance. Yeah. Agreed. And I have
0: nothing I've, I've gotten, there's nothing wrong with pulling the goalie like that to get the six guy. The, the issue there is we shouldn't be in that situation. No, you, to start. I with.
2: have no problem with them doing it. I'm just saying you don't put that in. You don't put that extra attacker or the empty net goal in the same category as the issues we had last year, because this was an opportunity of the player taking the chance from 180 feet.
0: Because he's not worried about because icing. Because he's
2: not point. worried about icing where he yeah, normally exactly. would be. That yep, That's different sure. than, than getting, the, getting the red line and getting the chance, which we had plenty of last year. I understand where everybody's frustration is, and the trend is not good over this last month. You can't be blaming the flu anymore. It's been a month, and it's not getting necessarily better. But we did see that outburst on Friday night, and it's frustrating to not see them pick off where they left off on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I, I think you can still have a situation where you're getting scoring chances, but the scheme is preventing the actual scoring from taking place. If players aren't in, you know, being put into roles where they excel, you know, they might not be in a position to capitalize on scoring chances. That's true.
2: One of the things I think I saw pointed out on Discord was that where somebody talked about Goats not being as uh, useful on the left side now that he's had to move over there versus the right side. I don't know side. if that was on Discord. I, think I, was on I wasn't Discord. able to
0: pay much attention this weekend because of the work stuff myself. So
2: Yeah, and I missed, I think, most of the... I think I missed most of that first period on Friday originally to uh, dinner because of plans. But the I do think some of our bigger problems with offense comes down to the power play and not getting that thing rolling. But I did feel like, despite the way we played uh, or the results on Saturday, that I thought the power play looked decent. Because I did feel like they got good motion and they were trying to do the one timers and that kind of stuff. And I thought it was pretty good. But at the same time, it just wasn't. There's just something off by. And it doesn't feel like it's much. And I do think Joe's right that they. But that's what's frustrating about the way Friday ended that that wasn't enough to like turn the corner. And that's been the consistent issue of like they have one period that's good enough. And then you get this sense that. Because they survived Friday, they thought they could skate through Saturday. That's kinda how it felt. And then they weren't able to turn it up enough and get that you know, they gave up the second goal before they could get their first goal and it just never got there.
1: On Friday night in the third period, they did what we talked about last week. We we talked about if you're not scoring pretty goals, you gotta go and get the rebounds and you gotta you, you get those dirty goals. And they did that.
0: Well, that's what that's what most of the goals were on Friday night, weren't they? They were all in front yeah. of the ice, just banging in, mm-hmm.
1: and that's what they did.
2: And none of that happened Saturday, and that's been a, that's been the consistent issue with this team. And Joe's talked about that regularly, where and we've talked about it regularly, where Division One goalies, no matter what their numbers say, the reason they're a Division One goalie is because they're gonna stop ninety nine percent of the shots that they can see the whole way. Pending, you know, like, a, like pending the fact that it's a two on one and it's the last nicket pass to the other guy that he doesn't have enough time to get across. Like, you might see that, but that's a tough play to make. Whereas it seems like, you know, we're not getting the screens. We're not getting the uh, traffic and we're not. That's the biggest issue to me is whatever we're doing, we're not there for the rebound. And, and we're missing the net too much when we do have a good chance, but it's hard for me to decide what the issue really is. And I don't know what else to really say on that. Rob, you got more you want to say?
0: Uh, to me, it feels like a confidence thing. The guys are just, the, go- the goals aren't coming and it just snowballs on itself. You know, you, it's like, scoring comes in bursts once you get a few goals in you you start to gain the confidence you take shots that you know maybe you weren't taking before that happened to go in sometimes right now it just feels like everything's going right to the middle of the net and you know, like you said he's seeing every, like the goalies are seeing everything and saving everything
2: the one that really stuck out to me was was it saturday night when alex smith had the two-on-one yeah. breakaway
0: i don't know what the hell that was and he
2: cuts back to get the defender between him and the yep. goal instead of just driving to the net and either shooting or passing?
0: Yeah, I've I've never seen that on a two-on-one. Because he
2: had a teammate there, right? I, that one didn't make yeah. sense to me. Yep. And if I get time before we actually release this, I'll try and cut out that video so we can show what we're talking about there. Because that one made no sense to me. I don't know what he's thinking, unless it was something about... I, no, it just didn't make sense to me why he gave up his clear, sh- like, clear opportunity on goal to cut back.
0: Yeah, like he they were coming down together and he cut hard I want to say to the right and went behind the defenseman and let the guy the guy that was coming down with him was ahead of him. Yeah. So there was no good opportunity to pass. I don't know. It's one of those things where a guy that's confident takes that shot or he makes that pass across to, you know, the other guy there. And they're just I don't know if they're just there's the lack of confidence on the offensive side is seems to be a big struggle.
2: Like it seemed to me that's the chance where you take the low shot and it either goes five hole or you get the rebound to your teammate and it and he didn't drive the net like I would have expected and I don't understand where confidence plays into that because it, it like it should have been obvious like the, the natural progression should be drive to the net you had the the opportunity and he didn't do it, and it was very strange that that's how it went, and I don't know where that comes from at all.
0: Yep. With a game that start, you I know, mean, season that started off with a 7-0 victory over Robert Morris, I was hoping the offense this year would uh would click a bit, but it just doesn't seem to have done so.
1: And it's getting worse. It, it it's not that it is you know consistently bad throughout the year. There have been times earlier in the year that the offense did click.
0: Yeah, but even when the offense did click, we were we've only scored over 3 goals a game. Like once or twice a month this year.
2: Well, I think some of it too is, I don't know. I guess I have to look at who, like when we've done it. But like when you look at the Gli, one of the biggest reasons that we're able to put up the goals we did in Gli is because they're not the style they're playing in those games is different because the other team is not trying to play that shut down defense and counter as much. Where they're trying to play back and forth. Which is not what we normally see in a game.
0: Our four goal games this year are against Robert Morris, Bowling Green, Lake State, Michigan State in Michigan, and Alaska Anchorage and then this weekend in Huntsville. Every other game this year, we've been held, you know, below three.
1: So why is it, so so why is it the strategy to also play this shutdown game when it seems like this, you know, we, we, when we play non-conference games uh, as a conference against these teams that play up and down hockey, they generally beat us at it. Right, up and down hockey. That the Big Ten teams and the NCHC teams are playing most of the time beats us as a as a league. Yeah. So then, why is it our strategy to to play shutdown hockey instead of playing? you know, a back and forth up and down game against our our league mates. I don't know. I don't think Mankato plays a shutdown hockey. They're in your face. They they go back they play a up and down game and they dominate this league. They have the most talent too, but
2: I think part of it is their their breakout has been bad and I don't know what's going on there that they haven't found ways to change that and get that working better. So back to the WCHA, I think I can pull that up quick playoff status came into my uh, life again the other day I think it was Todd Maluski mentioned it because the Wisconsin Badgers have been eliminated now from winning
0: I still can't believe with how much money they spend there in last place I mean I'm not sad but it's it's crazy I mean we're three points behind Alaska only. And we're all the same number of games, so.
2: So despite all of our, well, yeah. We do not control our own standing. That's my new phrase for that, because it's not destiny. We have a 10% chance right now of getting all mice.
1: Yeah. Yay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that I found interesting in my discussions with some other people around the program, not with the program, but you know, in Houghton, around the program, you know, this is the... We have a 10% chance, or a 90% chance right now, of this being the third year in a row without home ice. Which seems like a huge letdown to me, that they haven't found a way to have home ice. And one of the things that was brought up to me by somebody up in Houghton was that in all of his discussions with Joe, he's never once heard of home ice as being this bullet point goal for the team. And that kind of was shocking to me because it seems like such an important thing. And maybe it's because Joe is so focused on getting better every day and growing versus black and white things like that. But it seems odd not to take the approach of both things because one kind of helps you show, the other, like, yeah, you know, yes, we want to grow every day, but that's such an abstract goal. Well,
1: you need you need to be able to benchmark that yeah, progress, and that's
2: that's that's what I mean. Like, it's such an abstract thing to say. Let's get better every day. Like, so if you had a step setback, then what's the goal? Are you supposed to be better than your best ever, or are you supposed to just be better than yesterday? And we've had some setbacks. So
1: I believe, Tim, the correct way is you need to change your best. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but the the, <laughs> the goal should be home ice at a bare minimum. Like in this yeah, league, yeah, I think
0: that that's got to be our bare
1: minimum goal every year is home ice.
2: I gotta say there are five teams that are consistently expecting to get home ice.
1: techn- in my opinion, in this league as it is set up right now, the expectation needs to be home ice. Three out of every four years? Four out of every five years? Well, that's what I'm saying.
2: Real- realistically, there are five teams that should expect to get home ice almost every year. Uh-huh. Minnesota State, Bemidji, Northern, Tech, and Bowling Green. Those five programs are investing and trying. I don't know how much Bemidji's investing, but they have the right coach in this moment, and they have the facility. They have the, the, the right recruiting grounds that they should be, like, I don't think of them as being as invested, but I feel like they're in the right situation to always be there. And as long as Saratori's there, I think they are going to be there, whereas Fair State feels like that facility is just holding them back now. It's going to take a lot for them to get over that hump. Maybe it's something where... They need a new face for the coaching staff. I don't know what else is going on there, but they've fallen off, and they haven't been able to get those
1: good recruits. Ferris State was able to maintain a level of play or a level of of success, I think mostly because they were generally successful and winning breeds winning. With their facilities the way they are, I don't think they're going to be able to come back from – several seasons of losing because it's just too many too many things stacked against their favor against them not in their favor. I don't know how if you are a losing program like Ferris State's been the last few years how do you what do you have to recruit with? Yeah. You don't have anything to sell.
2: You don't have anything to sell. You don't have the facilities and then you're competing with how many other Michigan schools for the in-state kids that why would you pick Ferris when you could go to, you know, even Lake State right now looks like a better opportunity. Northern certainly is. Tech should be. It feels like Ferris is in that, is in the boat of what Joe talked about this week as far as, like, once they lost the kids that committed to the CCHA, they have slid. And they haven't been, and and it's and it's been a slow slide. They finished first the first year, then sixth. Then they managed to finish fourth and win the tournament, and then they finished fifth, sixth, ninth, and right now they are sitting what? Anybody got that up? I don't have that uh, one. Second to last. So they're ninth right now. Yeah, so they've been on a slide. So I, they're definitely not in that place. And then you you know Alaska is the team that I feel like they're kind of on the the old mike eves rotation of when it gets senior laden they have a chance but when it's not they might be the the team that prevents other teams from getting home ice but they're probably not and maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe that the the new coach is is better than i think and and he'll be able to keep that program somewhere they are probably the the sixth most invested program in the conference from a, like maybe not financially, but like there, I don't know. You, you've you talked about that, Rob, where the, the facilities are better. The, the, the backing is better, like maybe not the money per se, but the, the, the support is there in some fashion. Whereas I don't feel like there's any support for Anchorage or Huntsville. You know, we just talked to, jeff tonight about that where it doesn't feel like maybe there's more support internally but there's a lot working against them in the ua system and then ferris is in a rough spot so
0: yeah it sounds like the whole ua system basically is kind of similar to what alaska's going through if not worse i mean huntsville from from jeff's perspective there just seems like they're getting thrown under the bus and there's nothing they can do about it except sit there and, and and die on the vine which is really sad to hear, but yeah, I think Alaska does seem to be going in the right direction, like we've talked about. You know, like you were saying there,
1: but that can all change if they actually have to move into the Patty Center instead of the Carlson Center for their home games. They can come to come crumbling down pretty quick.
2: They could, and, and at least they are taking the steps to. If they're going to do that, they haven't rushed into that like Anchorage did. Like, they're going to try and make some minor improvements to make it more appropriate a facility. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they find a way to stay at the Carlson Center because it seems more appropriate, but who knows there. So as far as the league goes right now, uh, Bowling Green has the best shot of all the teams that are outside the top four right now to get a top four spot. Minnesota State and Bemidji are, according to... Playoff status locked into home ice now. Northern Michigan still has a chance of falling all the way to seventh somehow. I, I, I you know, sixth, seventh, and fifth is a total of less than four percent chance, but it's it's there. Alaska right now is is got a seventy-ish percent chance of getting home ice. And then Bowling Green has a 21% chance or 23% chance, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I know I think I saw Dave Ellis on USCHO mention that you know if we can't get home ice, he kind of wants us to fall to 6th so that we don't have to go to Alaska. And I understand that mentality to some extent because most likely that means it's a, a rematch with Northern. But I don't don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess if you're not getting home ice, it's not that big a deal. But then that also, I don't know, because it it doesn't really matter because if you're not top four, your your odds of hosting any other series or game at any other point is none because I have a hard time feeling, you know, feeling like Minnesota State, Bemidji, and Northern are going to lose at any point. I suppose probably the biggest thing as a league that we can say over the last month is Bemidji went from what we thought was kind of a pretender to showing that right now, the way they're playing, you know, they had some difficult times in non-conference, which is really what's held them back nationally in the polls and in pairwise. But they, deserve to be in the discussion of being the best and they're only what five points back right now the W for the for the McNaughton you know at least a share and they still have two games left against Minnesota State to end the season, right?
1: Yep. The best thing about Bemidji succeeding is it means that the Gophers are once again the worst team in the state of Minnesota. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun.
1: Maybe at St. Cloud this year, St. Cloud hasn't had a good season, but regardless, we'll, we'll go with the Gophers just for the fun of it. And
2: yet they both had to, Minnesota State and Bemidji both had to lay an egg in that darn tournament. Still frustrating. But at least, you know, at least Tech isn't hurt by that since they're not anywhere close to that. I think that's enough on that topic so uh, the next thing that i really wanted to touch on this week that i should have touched on probably two weeks ago but today's probably a good day because today we are actually recording on manit singh's birthday and last week i we tweeted out a couple times i tweeted quite a bit i don't know how much you guys did but l- last week was bell let's talk day and and it's something that's important to me I just want to put it out there in this format, too, that, you know, mental health is something that nobody should be afraid to talk about. Matt Cavender tweeted out that last year I got the courage to get the help I needed to stop hiding from my demons and face them head on instead. And that he also lost his dearest friend to suicide. And that if he could talk to me one last time, all he would want to tell him is how loved he is by so many and I, I think that's pretty clear with the, the outreach and mentions that he's gotten since his passing this summer. Um, it's a tough topic to talk about because we've basically been raised our whole lives to hide our feelings as men. So I do think it's a bigger issue for us to be open to this. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. I have seen a therapist for... Um, 3 4 years now I'm seeing him tomorrow I see him at least monthly over that time I saw him a lot after my divorce stuff started and he just helps me make sure that my understanding of the world isn't isn't is based in reality and I'm not missing something and I'm not skewing things And I try to be 100% open and honest with him with the other sides of things, and and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, One of the things that I tweeted out that seemed to get some traction that I want to mention here is if you are struggling with this stuff and you work for a company that has an, an employee assistance program, do not be afraid to look into that. I get most of my therapy covered by my EAP. It's a pretty awesome program where it doesn't go through my insurance at all. It costs me nothing. So don't be afraid to look into that if you need to talk. It's really good for a bunch of things. I've used it to talk to lawyers. You can use it usually to talk with financial people. It's a great thing. Um, so all around, I just want to say that you know, if any of you guys out there listening to this are struggling with anything, you know, sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody that you don't really know, especially somebody that doesn't really know like any of your friend group. So if you need to talk, don't be afraid to at me, at t Brown THG on Twitter, I will talk to you. If you need to talk, don't be afraid. Just just get out there and let somebody know. If it needs to be me who doesn't really know you or knows you little, that you know, that's fine. Don't be afraid of it. The only other thing I want to say about it is, um, you know, Michigan Tech is well known for our drinking prowess. And we had some interesting news over the week that the carnival quote unquote queen got dethroned over his what chugging some bottle of something while wearing the sash
0: yeah in front of a pep band flag
2: in front of a pe- what did the pep band flag have to there do there was it? a pep
0: band banner behind okay. him too so
2: okay
0: not only did he throw the blue not King. only was it uh the fact that he had the you know the sash on but he's in front of a uh, a university sponsor, basically, at that point.
2: And there's and, a lot of people that are upset that that happened. And I have to tell you that, like, I have zero problem with it because... Yeah,
0: welcome to the real world, folks, where you can't drink on company time and look like an ass without the company being angry. Yeah,
2: you have you have responsibilities as the carnival queen. Yep. And you have a way you need to present yourself. And if you're not doing that, don't expect to keep the gig. Pretty simple. Um, So... You know, and the other thing with, that goes to that is one of the things that comes with our our drinking culture at Michigan Tech, which is hard to deny. I mean, basically, all-nighter is nothing but a giant let's-stay-up-all-night-and-drink-and-do-things-with-irons-and-ice event. I,
0: I still have a camel bag that tastes slightly of tequila 15 <laughs> years later. <so.
3: laughs>
2: and I'm not going to lie. I spent plenty of nights in Houghton, drinking in excess. Like the the um, the official determination of whether or not it's binge drinking, at a certain point in my life seemed very stupid. But now I realize that it's probably not wrong, and that I binge drank a lot in college. And I just yeah, and I've had one former one friend. Twitter friend, reach out to me when I said something about drinking because I don't drink anymore. Dustin and Rob, you guys do. And I don't have any problem with anybody else drinking, but I quit drinking um, around the same time that I started seeing the therapist just for other life events that I don't need to go into here. And one of the weirdest things that being in the dating world or in general is the in the Midwest, at the very least, you get a pretty strange look when you tell somebody you don't drink, because it's not common. And it, and it, it, you know, socially speaking, it is a little awkward. And I've definitely had uh, dates that, or, or people I've matched with that basically didn't want to talk to me anymore because I won't go, because they didn't think I would go to a brewery or a winery with them, even though I would. Although I don't usually like breweries all that much because they don't have ice water. <laughs> <laughs> they usually just have water that's, room temperature with glasses because they don't have ice because all the beer cold from being in the keg but as part of that like I don't like I don't want anybody to think that you know we all get in this place where the, you know you drank a lot in college and you guys partake in alcohol plenty as adults now post college but I don't want anybody to think that using alcohol as a way to escape all the time is a good thing or you know, like alcoholism is a problem, and I don't want you to think that. Like one person reached out to me when I mentioned the the uh, that I don't drink anymore, and the weird looks you get from that. To, um, to say like you know, thanks for saying that. Thanks for sharing. Just because. You know, sometimes people, especially if you get into certain industrial or work settings where you're traveling a lot for work, you're entertaining clients a lot for work, and it always ends up being going out and getting sloshed, right? Like, it's hard not to just keep going on that stuff because that's what, you know, might be expected of you. And and, and I just want people to know that, like, there's other ways to do it. Like, there's nothing wrong with going to those events and having a drink and stopping and, and, and providing more alcohol to your client if that's what they want and but it you know i don't i don't really know where i'm going with that but just um you know don't be afraid to admit you have a problem when it comes to alcohol if you think you do or 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 if others have told you you do like don't be afraid to take that time to be introspective about it and and consider a change um anybody want to say anything else about the let's bell let's talk or suicide or alcoholism
0: i honestly forget about it until it hits every year then it's as of someone who follows a lot of people from from a hockey perspective it is it's always good to see you know all the awareness that's raised by it that's what it's out there to do right so i just wish there was a bell let's talk is coming in a week announcement on twitter that goes crazy so i'd actually know what was happening before it hits that week
2: yeah i need to be better on my my, like, calendar, because, like, I looked it up back when, when I did that piece about Huskies Let's Talk last fall, and looked it up, because it's on, like, Wikipedia It said what the 2020 day was back in September, um, but I did a poor job of, like, putting it on my phone, so I knew it early enough to, to do it in the podcast that would have come out before it was Bell Let's Talk, which would have been, what, two weeks ago? So... God, I'm just giving myself so much to edit today. <laughs> Enough about mental health. On to Winter Carnival. I don't think there's a lot to say here, other than um, I'm
0: given how the Lake State games went. Even though we swept, I don't feel like we should have swept. Those are games that were close. I'm kind of nervous for this weekend. But if the guys can't get motivated for a carnival, I don't know. I'll jump on the Blame Millennial train, too.
2: (laughs) This should be an easy motivation weekend. It's also a, a distraction weekend. But the biggest thing to me is this is likely a split. But... If they play like they did last Saturday night, they're going to get swept. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty, simple. pretty pretty simple. And, and you know, if they get swept, Lake State is suddenly two points behind them.
1: Joe, Joe said it on the show this morning. Uh, Damon was here. Damon was a coach here. He understands what this means and how important it is. They had a bye last week. They've been preparing for it for two weeks. They know uh, Lake State isn't, going to be unfamiliar with what's going on here, and they're going to want to come in and take this thing. So, if Tech comes out flat, it's it's going to be a, an easy sweep for Lake State. You can't come out flat in, in a game, or in a series like this.
2: Yeah, and unlike their last two opponents, Lake State's actually, what, 2-2 two, two, and 2 over their last six, which the two ties they won and the, they got the extra point so they're they're above 500 over their last six games granted it's against anchorage alaska and anchorage somehow last weekend they played the u18 u8 the u18 team and tied um but yeah they they know this is not uh, cakewalk no matter what the standings are especially with the way they've been playing i i would predict a tie to- a, a split and i kind of would predict the based on the way we've been scoring i would kind of predict that the lakers would be the team that i would actually win carnival on goal differential most likely That'd yeah, be my it makes guess. it tough to
0: win on a goal differential when you only score two but, goals a game.
2: But like I said, you know the the Saturday game. If they come out like that for some reason, they're not going to win this weekend, and and that's what scares me. You get swept this weekend, somehow you're opening the door that you fall all the way to seventh. Yeah, Bowling Green plays Anchorage this weekend at home. So if you don't split, you're most likely behind Bowling Green after this weekend. With Lake State only two points behind, I don't know what the next tiebreaker would be. If, they, if they get swept this weekend,
1: they might not win a game the rest of the year because they've already they've already proven that they they can manage to lose to Ferris.
2: That's true, uh, but they have been better on the road for some reason. Granted, they didn't sweep at uh, Huntsville, but whatever. So is everybody taking the split?
1: I'll pick a Lake State sweep.
2: Always <laughs> oh, the pessimist. Not that I blame you. <laughs> give me
1: a, give, show me a reason why I should be optimistic. Yeah, I know.
2: Rob, I
0: don't know. It's Carney. I can't see us getting swept at Carney. I just, that. Ugh, that shouldn't happen.
1: I've seen Something us like get swept at Carney not like many times. It's like playing North Dakota
0: or. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. some of the old WCHA teams where Carney didn't was like the one time a year we'd get the one win at home versus some of them. I don't know. I'm gonna be optimistic and say something is fixed and we uh, we sweep this weekend. You're gonna go with the sweep. I, don't know. I yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sweep. This is, kind of of, all, this is the first
1: time back. that all three of us have been different and yeah. Been fixed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they'll it's Carney. If you can't get up for Carney and score some damn goals, I, just have I don't a, know.
2: I just have oh. a hard time believing that Tech wins all four against the Lakers the way they played the first series. But that's a long time ago. I do think our defense is better, but our offense is pathetic. The only other series really worth talking about, because I don't think Bowling Green hosting Anchorage or... Alaska going to Huntsville are really worth talking about, would be Minnesota State hosting Northern. Um, That's in, yeah, so that's in Mankato. It's number one versus number three. It's basically what's going to, you know, if Northern can do something here, that opens the door for Bemidji to
1: maybe catch Minnesota State. And Northern has already beaten Mankato once this year. Correct. With that said, I think Mankato sweeps.
0: Yeah, I think Mankato gets the sweep on that one too. I'll agree with Dustin on and, this one.
1: And Mankato, Mankato's had some stumbles throughout this year. You know, at, at a couple, you know, a few different they points. They just
0: tied. They just tied Anchorage. They shouldn't have.
2: Did you know that? Did you catch that? that? I need to cut up that video too. I think if I could find it, but supposedly their second goal was offside, but they didn't have a good enough angle to overturn it.
0: So they should have lost, you're saying? Yeah.
2: The second goal to tie it with, like, one second left, apparently the the breakout for that play was offside, but the video was inconclusive.
0: Uh, Yeah, well, shocking. There wasn't a good video angle through the net.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go with the split in that one, too. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash guide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including the unpublished episode zero and extended editions of pretty much every podcast. Plus, we do early access. Follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit your questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or by responding to our tweet or Facebook posts when we ask for questions, usually on Monday mornings. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know, and we'll make it happen. Please check out made a series previews every Friday and Mike Antliner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. You can also find additional content like my All Decade Team series on usually on Tuesdays. You can find all this and more at TechHockeyguide.com. Thanks to our newest patron, Michael Crawford, we really appreciate your commitment to the podcast. As always, special thanks to Mixture Lake for recording our introduction, and our patron saint Doc Mcreson for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at the thank a love for
3: lipids, and I love for French kisses. No sexual dimensions, For a box with some twists. Everything I didn't was said to be explicit. But if I missed it erected, how would not the moments I could visit. With my memory and mind, I'm too far along to distant. Hold me and show me the frightful to take. Let me deep up in your water, let me swim up in your lake. Sucking on a lollipop, a nasty Harley stock. Remember daisy dukes and a cut off bob. Marley top, Harley top In a hardy rock. Tattoos and booze What she left with such a taste of the food. She said, never gonna see you again. Never gonna do me like that. Never gonna see me again. Never gonna. Do- Oh, I know, I